Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhander to save by Tony Esposito. Stan Makita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Murphy picked out a minute. Six seventy, the scores. Hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Go for Hawks win. Hawks win again. Chris Jelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Game off the boards. He shoots. He's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back. Sobel drives. Gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Right center for Tate. He got a breakaway. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincinnati Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, one and all. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5, and with me, as always, is the one, the only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Pat Podcast. Jay, we just spoke a few days ago about some of the wheeling and dealing the Blackhawks were doing. Guess what, buddy? Free agency starts on Wednesday, so we're going to have plenty more to talk about. Cannot wait. You know my favorite day of the year is free agency day. My second favorite day of the year is the trade deadline day. I love transactions. I love chaos. And this year, it seems like a lot's going on, man. Like There's a ton of rumors. There's huge names on the market like Jack Eichel. Gabriel Landeskog might be headed to free agency. There are so many huge names, and the Blackhawks have a lot, have made a lot of news. Oh, yeah, they traded for Seth Jones last week, but it feels like an entire news cycle has gone by <laughs> since then. It has been crazy, and it's only going to get crazier. Thanks for joining us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We're on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook. Just look us up. Check out our T Public shop. The link is in our social media bios. Make sure you use that link when you buy. I bought the Team USA uh, NES ice hockey shirt, and it arrived today, and it looks awesome. I put a couple new designs up there last night. One is the uh, graphic of the bleeding head NHL player, but it's a Red Wing, and it says Detroit sucks. And then there is also uh, NHL 94 design with the Blackhawks player on it with CHI underneath. And then if you ever seen the movie Almost Famous, 
the uh, the character uh, that played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Lester Banks, who's a real person, has a shirt that says Detroit sucks. <laughs> so I made that too. Just trying to move some product here. And a lot of you guys have jumped on and bought it. And of course, anything with our logo is on there as well. So check it out. Check out our T Public shop. Lots of great stuff. And I want to give one quick plug to I started writing a Substack blog. It's jayzawoski.substack.com. Lots of stuff on the Hawks. Uh, I'm going to do a lot more other stuff on there as well. But if you want to check that out, please do. Uh, it is a subscription. So if you want to get in on it, it's five bucks a month. But the one I wrote today is free. So you can check that out and see what it has to offer. I'll be writing two, three times a week. So check that out too. All right. So much to get to today, James. We've got the Blackhawks qualifying offers. We've got a surprise player that was not qualified. We've got Nicholas Jalmerson retiring. We've got the Blackhawks drafting Kirby Doc's brother. Where would you like to start? The floor is yours, Captain DeVoe. I do believe we need to start with the qualifying offers because I think that it's going to kind of inform a lot of the decisions the Blackhawks are going to be getting set to make here in the offseason. There were a few surprises, to be honest, on that list. I didn't think that the Blackhawks were going to pick up the uh, qualifying offer for a Josh Dickinson. I ended up being correct in that analysis. They also did not qualify David Camp. Uh, they did not qualify Adam Gaudet, and they did not qualify one Pierce Suter. So a couple of interesting names there, especially Camp, who they protected in the expansion draft, and then uh, Pierce Suter, who had 15 goals last season. Adam Gaudet immediately signed to a new contract, so not a big deal with him. But, yeah, Suter and Camp, not qualified by the Blackhawks, could become uh, unrestricted free agents on Wednesday. I did not see those coming. I really didn't, especially since I know how much the Blackhawks love David Kampf. Um, Scott Powers wrote later today that there's a possibility that deal could be renewed and they do love him. But I talked about the Suter thing earlier today on Twitter uh, when I, I talked to a source who sort of said, you know, Suter's asking for a lot of money and it's probably more than the Hawks are comfortable spending. And I thought, wait a minute, this guy is a really good rookie, put up good numbers, was really an important part of things last year. But then you take a look at the Blackhawks forwards and who they have under contract. And there are not a lot of spots. I'm just going to rattle off here. The 12 under contract um, that I, that I, you know, kind of slotted in lines based on just whatever random guess I did to Taves, Kane, Kubelik, Doc, Kurashev, Hagel, Strom, Connolly, Borgstrom, Gaudette, Nylander. So there's 12. You also have Mike Hardman, Mackenzie Entwistle, Lucas Reichel, who a lot of people think is going to contend for a spot this year, Evan Barrett, who's knocking on the door, and you still got unsigned Vinny Henestrosa, who knows if he'll be back. You've got David Kampf, who could come back. There's just not a lot of roster spots, and the Hawks are really heavy in that middle six, and mm -hmm. I think they might be better off using Pia Suter money to improve the team elsewhere, and I think that might be what exactly what they're thinking. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he showed some uh, really good positional versatility last year. I think that the Blackhawks probably would prefer him to end up being a center just to kind of help out. But like you said, they are kind of flush with those types of guys who can be that second or third line center, right? That's not exactly an area of weakness, especially with Dylan Strom still on the roster. Who knows if he will be on opening night? I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit as well. But if Suter's really looking for some big payday, the Blackhawks have a lot of leverage to be completely honest they 
or they don't have to bring him back quite obviously. They've got a ton of guys already in the system. So if he really wants to be in Chicago, he's probably going to have to uh, lessen whatever contract demands he's making. I obviously don't know how much money exactly he is going to want. But when you look at guys like Jonathan Taves, you look at uh, Heinrich Borgstrom, you look at Dylan Strom, they have a lot, Adam Gaudette, they have a lot of guys up the middle that can fill that role and probably score 15 to 20 goals, which is probably realistically what you're expecting out of uh, Pia Suter, I would imagine. Yeah. And so here's the thing. How much could he be asking for? Right? Because you take a look at what they paid Dominic Kubelik, who scored, what, 30 goals his rookie year and got the contract after that for $3.7 million. Two years, $3.7 million. I've really enjoyed the website Evolving Hockey and if you're not a subscriber to evolvinghockey.com, you really should be because it's just an excellent resource. They have a contract predictor on there. So you plug in the player and you hit submit, and then it tells you what they think their next contract is going to be. And it's in like the four millions for Pia Suter. And if that's true, if that's what he projects to be, I don't think they can afford to pay him that. You're getting 3.7 for Kubelik. You can't pay him more than you pay Kubelik. Pia Suter is not a 30-goal guy, and a lot of his production came from playing with Kane and playing with uh, DeBrinckit. And look, I don't want to minimize Pia Suter. I really like him as a player, but did you see enough in one season? And remember, he's 25 years old. He's not 19. He's not 20. This is pretty much what Pia Suter is going to be. Have you seen enough from him to give him $4 million? I sure haven't. Absolutely not. There is absolutely no way. And I think that... I think if if that was the actual ask, if it was for Dominic Kubelik money, I think the Blackhawks would have qualified Pia Suter. I think that they would have a pretty strong case in arbitration that they wouldn't have to worry about getting blown out of the water. If he had gotten his qualifying offer, it would have been probably worth a little north of a million dollars. The Blackhawks, I think, would have been in a pretty advantageous position in terms of the arbitration. I think they would have ended up potentially settling with him, but just with the sheer number of options that they have available to them at the center spot right now, especially after the acquisition last year of uh, Borgstrom, obviously having Strom potentially in the mix, Adam Gaudette, same thing, just re-signed him to a contract. Mm -hmm. I just, I I think there's a bunch of different guys on the roster that can probably fill that suitor role. I think that he's got a decent amount of uh, upside to maybe bump up that goal scoring a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, like you said, the key is he's 25 years old. We kind of know what we're getting out of him, and he isn't the player that Dominic Kubelik is. No, and I want to be clear. I really like Pia Suter, and for the right money, I'd happily take him back, and the Hawks would be better with him, but they just can't break the bank on him because he's just not that kind of player. He's not a break the bank kind of player. And I would say, look, with if we're talking about Kubelik in the same situation like we did going into last season, that was a guy who showed you 30 goals. And a lot of those he created on his own. They were on a cert. You know what I mean? Like he he showed you that he could do it on his own. Um, and 30 is a lot different from what Pia Suter did. So, yeah, 3.5 is maybe about as high as I would go with Suter. And look, maybe he goes test the market and finds out like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to get what I thought. I'd rather just stay in Chicago. They're the team that signed me. They're the team that gave me a chance. So I'm going to give them the opportunity to, you know, match or maybe beat this deal I have pending. 
I can't see anybody giving him four million dollars. I just can't see absolutely it. Absolutely not. No, I think I think he'll end up. What's going to end up happening is he'll sign somewhere for like two point five million or something like that, and then he'll get off to a hot start, and Blackhawk fans will get super pissed off, just like they always do. What? Call Stan Bowman a clown, yada yada. It's going to happen. Like it, and not to say that you know they'd be wrong, but that's just it's so predictable that that would end up happening. That he would go somewhere else and show some black and everyone would freak out when the reality is he's essentially the same player as a lot of different guys that they have in the system right now, and they clearly are making their choice. They're making their choice with Gaudette. They've made their choices with other guys, and I think that they have a good number of options they can slide into that spot. I did, before we get over to the guys that did get qualifying offers, by the way, sorry, Josh Dickinson, that I'm not going to. I didn't even realize you were here. You're still here? Bye. Um, he was literally what? Like exp- <laughs> he was expansion draft protection, right? Wasn't that like what he was? He, I think he was one of their exposed players. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. I, I think he was one of the thirteen. But anyway, um, Probably. my prediction: Suter walks, gets like two and a half million somewhere. I think David Camp ends up working out a deal to stay here. I think that the Blackhawks just didn't want to give him a qualifying offer. They didn't feel comfortable with him signing because I think that probably would have ended up happening. So I just think they're probably looking to maximize a little bit of cap space there. You agree with those two thoughts? I do. I really do. I don't know. Scott Powers' piece said that camps people are going to look at what Marcus Kruger got paid, see $3 million and say, well, if he got it, why can't we? Uh, One mistake does not mean two mistakes should happen. And hopefully Stan Bowman doesn't go, you know what? You're right. Here's $3 million. Now we're talking million and a half, two million for David Camp Max. Otherwise, go find a free agent that can kill some penalties. Because I know a lot of people are like, what does David Camp do well? He's good defensively. But that's yeah. about it. That's really all well, he has I mean, to that's offer. all Marcus Kruger was good at. I felt like Kruger had a little more offensive upside than he was allowed to show. I, I just feel like there's none from David Camp. Like offense well, is just not a thing with, being- with him problem being such a good penalty killer is you end up getting uh, kind of shoved into that role but hey he was really good at it yeah he was, got, it got him paid so no doubt he was uh, he was excellent at it and it did get him paid I just I can't give a guy like that that much money you, th- these are the things where you know when when I nick, nitpick Stan Bowman it's those extra million bucks it's the no movement clauses it's the extra year like those are the sort of things those little like you know call it like death by a million cuts those tiny little extras here and there, those are the things that end up costing you a player you really, really like in the future. And, you know, that like Panarin is a good example. Had he not given a bunch of other guys that extra million, right? Like look at the way Boston did it. Look at the way Pittsburgh did it. All their star players got probably like a little bit less than market value. And because of that, they got to bring in other players and stay competitive while the Hawks fell off. Those little like they got to bring in guys like Taylor Hall. Right. And look, I Taylor Hall signed for what did he sign for? It was like less than six, right? It was right it was right around six, but that's what a lot of the Bruins players I think are signing for. I, I can obviously look that up. I got up. it right yeah, here. The Bruins. Here, look, Patrice yeah, you, Bergeron makes six point eight seven five. David Posternak yep. makes six point six six. Brad Marchand makes six point one. Taylor Hall makes six on the nose, and that's a brand new contract. This is yep. how you and keep then your Charlie team Coyle makes five point two five million. Like they, they didn't overpay really any of those guys. And their highest paid defenseman right now is Charlie McAvoy, and he doesn't even make five million dollars. 
They don't have a single player over $7 million. Not a single player. And they're one of the best teams in hockey. The Hawks have one, two, uh, obviously three with Seth Jones now. Three players over mm-hmm. $7 million, and you got Debrinkin making 6.4. Um, I do want to point out one thing. You can make the argument, oh, they're always competitive, but they've only won one cup. The Blackhawks have won two. Case closed. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and I'll leave it there. Why not? Bruins fans, come at me. <laughs> well, the opportunity to win more is nice, too, though. I, absolutely <laughs> fair. Not, you know I'm being slight. I'm course, being of facetious, course. of course. But, yeah, they, that was kind of the thought that I had, though, is that it is nice to continue to have those shots at the prize, even though they haven't uh, come through. I just wanted to tease them a little bit and say that the Blackhawks have won a couple, including one at Boston's expense, let's not forget. I remember that. That was awesome. Okay. Oh, and also, we do we do have to hate on them because they did let the St. Louis Blues win a cup. Yeah. I'll never forgive them for that. All right, so we talked notice spoked wheel. The the guys that did get qualified. Alex Nylander, not a surprise, not arbitration eligible. He missed last season, so it's not going to cost him too much to bring him back. Brandon Hagel, same deal, not arbitration eligible and won't be eligible until after next season either. Um, so they just got to sort of see how that goes there with those negotiations. Uh, and Nikita Zadorov, uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, he got a qualifying offer as well. That is kind of the hardest thing to figure out. The Hawks left him exposed. I guess, according to Scott Powers, the Kraken were sort of sniffing around, but ended up not doing anything with them, either drafting him in the expansion draft or trading for him or whatever. Um, just because he hasn't been traded yet doesn't mean he won't be, but they went and qualified him. And from the rumors we heard when the offseason began, Zadora was looking for money in what, like the five million something range. He's come yep. back to earth. He's asking for four. The Hawks have offered three point two. So if they can meet somewhere in the middle, three point five, three point six, I think I can live with that. Um, went on Twitter today on Evolving Hockey, looked up uh, Zadorov's defensive numbers. Defensively, his numbers are pretty strong. Offensively, bad. He's not an offensive player at all. But you'll take a four, five, or six defenseman for 3.5 million and be and be pretty satisfied with that. I think they could do a hell of a lot worse than Zadorov in that spot. Well, the issue then I think is if you do end up bringing back Nikita Zadorov, I think there is zero question that you have to get rid of Calvin DeHaan because I don't think that you can justify having Seth Jones, Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, and Nikita Zadorov taking up playing time and then have to split the rest between guys like Riley Stillman and Ian Mitchell and Wyatt Kalnuck, and obviously they want to see what they've got in Caleb Jones. Uh, Alec Regula still needs to get some time. Nicholas Bodan, same thing. I mean, the Blackhawks have guys that they're going to need to kind of get cycled into the lineup I don't see them carrying all four of those veterans and I think the by far the most obvious guy that they would let go is Calvin DeHaan and I still agree with you I don't think that this necessarily rules out them trading Zadorov especially if he's intractable in his uh, contract demands but I I think that if they do end up bringing Zadorov back I think it pretty much uh, signs the death warrant for Calvin DeHaan and he's out of here well, that would be ideal because I really like Calvin DeHaan. I think he's more valuable than people realize, but he makes four and a half million and he's incredibly injury prone. So that's tough. And like Stan Bowman said, though, like these things have a way of working themselves out. Like it's very rare that everyone's healthy. Um, let me ask you this, though. And I don't know the answer to this question. OK, this is just I'm honestly asking. We have seen the Hawks 
rush some young defensemen, maybe to their detriment recently. Adam Boquist, <laughs> yeah, Henry Yokoharu. Uh, maybe you could say the same thing for Ian Mitchell. Having a more veteran defense, like you mentioned, Seth Jones, Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy. Uh, you know, if Z- if Zadorov is indeed back, Caleb Jones. Jones is twenty four, but he's got a hundred NHL games under his belt, right? Uh, Riley right. Stillman. Are the Hawks should they maybe consider letting some of these younger guys like Mitchell, like Kalnick, like Regula, up and down the line, even Bodan, let them play in Rockford a little bit, let them get their legs under them, and let them truly be ready to come and play in the NHL. And look, I'm comfortable with most of those guys coming up and playing right away. And I'm still on board for the air quotes youth movement here. I really am. But there is something to be said for letting these young defensemen spend some time having success and then come up when they're ready instead of just Mm -hmm. throwing them to the wolves. And look, aside from wanting to make a giant move that would, that you'd have to get rid of Calvin DeHaan, why not hang on to him? And if you can get yeah. to the trade deadline with him and move him for a pick, fine, right? I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I truly don't know the answer. Is it better to let these kids, these young defensemen come up here and struggle and deal with the ebbs and flows of the season? Or should they let them develop in Rockford a little bit, hold on to these veterans? And then if these kids prove they're ready, then you start moving these veterans out a little bit. Yeah, I think you can make that argument pretty conclusively for a guy like Regula and probably for Nicholas Bodan as well. I mean, don't forget, Bodan was a late first-round pick. It's not like he was a lottery pick that the Blackhawks really felt like they needed to get a really close look at when he was up here. Obviously, he has gotten a little bit of NHL time, but I could see them potentially uh, handling uh, handling him in that way, and I really think they could end up playing him in a first or second spot on the defense in Rockford just to really kind of see what he's got in all areas of the game. I think that would be a really smart idea. I kind of run into a little bit of an issue with that, with a guy like Riley Stillman, who you just gave a three-year contract to. I think that he'll end up getting some time, and he'll get time in the NHL. I don't see him uh, doing the Rockford thing. And then I really honestly and truly think that Wyatt Kalanick needs to be playing at the NHL level. I think that he is a guy, he's 24 years old. I think that it's... um, just because of his maturity and the way that he played last season, I would rather see him developing at the NHL level, if at all possible. Pretty much all the other guys, and that even includes Ian Mitchell, I'm kind of okay with, but I think Kalnick is kind of where I'm going to draw the line on it. Interesting. Just, uh, that was the next question I was going to ask you, is which young guy are you most comfortable with in a full-time role to start the season? So Kalnick is your guy. Are we including, I think so, yeah. Are, are we including Riley Stillman in that list or no? Or do you consider him a regular I mean, use whatever uh, criteria you want, man. I, I I just think with the three-year contract that they gave him, I yeah. know a lot of folks kind of thought that it might have just been an expansion draft ploy, but then they protected him in the expansion draft. So clearly the Blackhawks have a pretty high opinion of Riley Stillman, and I liked what I saw from him last year too. Me too. So, it, I, I mean, if you want to – obviously if you want to include that, but I think that – I think Kalna could probably be the young guy, quote unquote, that I think I'd probably feel most comfortable with. And, you know, I just I need to see more out of guys like Ian Mitchell before I can potentially put them on that list. Yeah. And I think we saw Mitchell as the season went on really sort of flounder and then got to the point where he didn't even play him um, because he was struggling so well. And he battled some injuries, too. 
Um, I think I agree with you. If we're counting Stillman as a guy you're going to pencil in the lineup every day, uh, and he's paid accordingly, he's your fourth fi- highest paid defenseman. Um, I think that Kalnick is the one I trust the most too. And that's the one, and maybe I don't think he's got, I don't, I, not maybe for sure. I don't think he doesn't have the highest ceiling of those guys, but I think right now he's the guy I trust the most to be out there, you know, de- de- defending in games that are, you know, games are meaningful in the start of the season. We won't know how late the Hawks will fall off, but like Jeremy Cowan always does, his teams will fall off. Uh, real quick, I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com, the best Nashville hot chicken in town, probably in the country, probably in the world. There, I said it. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Go to FryTheCoop.com, peruse their menu, place your order online, or go dine in. They've got a great craft beer selection there as well, but you get the chicken tenders, the honey butter chicken sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich, the chicken and waffles, everything there is fantastic. Go get your hot chicken at Fry the Coop. Visit FryTheCoop.com. You will love it. That is a Madhouse podcast guarantee um so as we're talking about money and where some relief could come from i saw tab bamford on twitter today mention the buyout situation with uh connelly with brett connelly if they bought him out they would save 2.33333 million dollars on the cap for the next two years but they would incur a $1,116,667 cap penalty for the next four years. So there's a immediate benefit, but then there's a little bit of a risk. For the record, Connolly is under contract for this season and next at $3.5 million. Um, look, as a guy, that a veteran that can play a little bit, but when we mention the logjam at forward, to me, this is the guy who's kind of like, can we just get him out of here and figure something out? Like, can we, you know what I mean? Like, can we just try to find a spot for a kid in that spot? I'd much rather pay Vinny Henestroza to come back or David Camp for somebody. I don't really need to see Brett Connolly out there. I kind of look at him as a guy like uh, Carl Soderberg, who when the Blackhawks signed him, everybody was kind of like, what are you doing right now? Like, that's not the direction we're really supposed to be going in. And then the Blackhawks obviously uh, flipped him for a prospect. Didn't they flip him for Josh Dickinson? <laughs> not to come back to that, but isn't that who they flipped uh, him for? Soderberg, maybe. That's a good question. I forget who it was. I'm going to look him up here on Cap Friendly. That is absolutely correct. He got flipped to the Avalanche for Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston. Oh, who could forget? Boom. What a trade. How about well, apparently you did. I win. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But anyway, point being that he kind of is that Soderberg role with just a slightly bigger price tag. I I see so many guys on this team right now that are so freaking young. I mean, think about it. How many forwards on the Blackhawks roster realistically for next season, how many of them are going to be 30 years old or older? Forwards? Yeah. Taves, Kane, Yep. Uh, is Car- Carpenter is just 30, right? Just turned 30, yes. Yeah. So that is it. That is all yeah, of the 30-year-old forwards that the Blackhawks have. Connolly's 29. So, yeah. He'll I'm be 30 in May. Turning- Connolly will be 30 yeah. in May. Okay, so he's uh, he's close, though. That's the point, though. They have a lot of guys who are, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25. 
all of these guys are so freaking young, would it maybe make sense since you have a little bit of cap space to kind of play with this season since Seth Jones is only making $5.4 million this season and all of your defensemen are pretty much cheap except for Dahan and Murphy, obviously? Wouldn't it make a little bit of sense to use that extra bit of cap space to keep a guy like Conley around to kind of work with some of these younger guys? That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. It can't hurt. I don't know much about him in terms of like his personality, like what kind of an influence he is. And, and look, we probably overvalue that stuff. Um, you know, it's we've heard a lot about leadership and some really bad crap yeah. has happened under the greatest leadership in the history of hockey. So, you know. I think we it's over- still only three and a half million dollars. I think that's kind of what our eye sure. end up coming down on. And besides, you keep him around for this season, then next season, if you buy him out, the cap penalty is obviously going to be significantly lower. I could see him maybe playing like kind of a Zach Smith, Carl Soderberg role on the Blackhawks this coming season. I'm not in the uh, camp of immediately getting rid of him to kind of bring up another young guy. And besides, there's guys like Lucas Reichel. We don't really know how much he's going to play in the NHL, if at all. We have no idea what we're going to get out of Henrik Borgstrom. He may end up starting the season somewhere else. I mean, at Mackenzie Entwistle, sure, will be competing for a roster spot. Evan Barrett probably will be, too. I mean, that isn't exactly a lot of guys who I think are guaranteed to be better than Conley game one. So I think, I don't know, I kind of keep him around. I don't know if I would necessarily go the buyout route with him. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Four years with that cap penalty, and it's only a million like a million and change, but you don't want to deal with that. I, I think that's a good point. We've got a lot of question marks in Reichel, in Borgstrom, and they can sort of, like I said earlier, Stan Bowman says these things have a way of working themselves out. If you're not completely cap strapped, which I don't think they're going to be, um, then yeah, just see what happens. And look, that's another guy who, at the deadline, if he's got if he has a decent season, and look, looking at the lines, he could be in a top six role. You know, sure. It's I mean, a, and, who and else even, is going to be there, right? And even your third line, if you've got Strom and Hagel, that's. That's a really good third line. That's a third line with some yeah. scoring punch. So you could put him on there too. And what we do know that Colleton, just like uh, Joel Quenville before him, likes to sort of spread the offense around. So you might see a first line with like DeBrinkit, Taves, and Connolly, a second line with Doc, Kubelik, and Kane, right? Like they, they kind of move stuff around that way. So there's a lot of possibilities. I think, you know, free agency's Wednesday, and I think we're going to have a much clearer picture. I think they're going to be active. Uh, one name I think Hawks fans should keep an eye on is uh, former Buffalo defenseman Jake McCabe. Uh, I've, I've been told the Hawks have their eye on him. Uh, just sort of a solid uh, defensive type dude. Uh, I like his game a lot. Don't know what that would cost. The projection on evolving hockey. Uh, let me check it out real quick. I thought I saw it earlier, but it was only like a million something. Um, yeah, like 1.027 million. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that because anytime a guy tests the market, there, you do get a little bit of a bidding war uh, with the player. But, I mean, that's a very affordable guy whose game I like a lot um, and I think could be a pretty good fit, for, especially considering what they're trying to do here. So, uh, I don't know. I think there, there's going to be some moves. I think you're going to add a goalie. I think you're going to add another defenseman. Uh, and, again, if they add another defenseman, what does that mean for Zadorov? I, I just think there's so much more to go in the construction of this roster that we're going to look back on this podcast in a month and be like, yeah, we could just scrap that whole thing because everything is completely different than what we thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, I think the Blackhawks are probably going to have to do a little bit of work in addressing some of the uh, deficiencies they have in terms of their right side of their defense. I know they're very lefty-heavy. I know that that's kind of where they obviously are going to play Riley Stillman. Uh, Calvin DeHaan usually plays on the left side, if memory serves. I mean, they do have Seth Jones and Connor Murphy on the right side. But beyond that, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do. So gonna be it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see how this roster takes shape. Um, I, but I, again, like we've been saying all offseason, it's going to be busy. And this team on opening day is not going to resemble what it looks like right now. There's no chance. All right, why don't we do this? Uh, I think we did a pretty good job covering uh, the QOs and everything else leading up to it. Let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we will pay tribute to one of the best Blackhawks in the modern recent era of hockey. I think you know who we're talking about. We'll get to it next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, if you love listening to us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your shows pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. This is Jay Zawoski. I'm here in Homewood, Illinois. James Naveau, new homeowner out there in Kankakee. His address is, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want James to get murdered. I mean, you probably can find it on Google. Isn't that how that kind of works? I don't know. I don't want to know the answer to that. Now you just pointed that seed to our listeners. So if you end up dead, I know where to start looking. We have a good we have a good home security system. Excellent. Good for you. Um, I'm very <laughs> glad to hear that because I was worried I just killed you. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time somebody's put me in the line of fire, I suppose. Hey, when are we going golfing, by the way, speaking of Kankakee? Um, Soon. Softball is finally, finally over after tonight's tryout and then tomorrow's tryout. Um, She should be done for a while, which means I have got my nights back. So we will find a time very, very soon. I promise. Cool. Um, All right. right. Now that we're done with that. (laughs) Big news on Sunday. Um, Blackhawks. I'm going to go ahead and say legend. Nicholas Jalmerson has called it a career and it's really funny that this is one of those guys very much like we talked about with Duncan Keith when the Hawks were in their primes he was one of those guys that you rarely had to even talk about because he was so reliable 
right? Like you just knew if Nicholas Jalmerson was out there, good things were going to happen. And I saw a bunch of the statistical people on Twitter, Evolving Hockey and J Fresh Hockey and Dom Lachishan and all those people talking about Nicholas Jalmerson's impact on the game. And one of them called him the best defensive defenseman of the analytics era. Another called him one of the best defenders of the last 15 years. Nicholas Jalmerson, after calling it a career on Sunday, is finally starting to get his due around hockey circles. And that reminded me of something today, James. Remember years ago, right after, it might have been after 09, like when the Hawks had to make that decision between Antti Niemi and Nicholas Jalmerson, and they made the right one, Scotty Bowman compared Nicholas Jalmerson to who? Do you remember this comparison? Uh, didn't he compare him to, was it, it wasn't Nick Lidstrom, was it? It was Nick Lidstrom. Ah. Yes, it was, <laughs> which is, at the time, we're like, okay, well, Swedish and defenseman, <laughs> right? But you got people talking about Jalmerson as one of the best defenders in the recent history of the NHL. That's incredible. That is incredible. And just to be in that conversation, to not laugh at that comparison of Jalmerson and Nicholas Lidstrom tells you all you need to know. Because I thought that Nicholas, Nicholas, too many Nicks, Nick Lidstrom was the best defenseman I saw in my life. Like in my lifetime watching a guy play, probably, you know, up until uh, Duncan Keith, he was the best I've ever seen. And I would still probably give a slight nod to Duncan Keith. But in terms of just defending, to have Nicholas Jalmerson in that conversation is just incredible. I know you mentioned the analytics that were uh, showing that Nick Lidstrom, obviously, or Nick, you got me doing it out there. Uh, show Nick Jalmerson as being the best defensive defenseman of the uh, analytics era. I, I like this stat a little bit better. It's from Austin Padue. Uh He tweeted, Nick Jalmerson blocked 1,605 shots in his career. That's the equivalent of getting hit with a puck every single day for over four straight years. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Just the most indestructible freaking dude that has ever existed. And it's just you know what it is in Chicago. Everybody loves grit. They love toughness. They love passion, sandpaper, fire and passion all that stuff. Nick Nick Jalmerson embodied all of that and didn't even have to grow a flipping mustache. Like that to me <laughs> is like the height of badassery. And watching him block shots for all those years with the Blackhawks, all I could think of is my leg would have spaghettified if it got hit the way that yours just did. Like you are not human. Apparently there's something in the water in Sweden, man, because he really showed so much guts during his time. And then on top of that, a lot of guys have guts, right? A lot of guys are tough. You know, he had so much skill. He was always so smart when he was on the ice he was always in good defensive positioning even when his speed kind of started to fade a little bit toward the end of his tenure with the Blackhawks I thought that his intelligence really was paying dividends in those years and he took all these great angles 
they just have not been the same since they traded him. And I know that obviously he would have kind of gone downhill a little bit in the last couple of years if the Blackhawks had held on to him. But at the same time, man, they just have never been able to develop another guy like that. He is truly one of a kind. And I look forward to the day they figure out a way to uh, honor him. I'm guessing what they'll probably do is have Johnny Oduya fire a puck at him. I think that would probably be the best way to – to do that a ceremonial final shot block instead of one final (laughs) instead of one more shift it's one more shot block right yeah that sounds fun and nick would be like hell yeah let's do it by the way i want to be clear when i'm talking about comparing nicholas jalmerson and nick lidstrom i'm talking about defense only nicholas lidstrom was a almost what 11 like 1150 point scorer so that guy was awesome on both ends of the ice but defending nicholas jalmerson lidstrom are in the conversation together uh, like it or not. By the way, this is a good opportunity to, even though we love Nicholas Jalmerson and praise Nicholas Jalmerson, rightfully so, one of my favorite Hawks of the Cup era, the Hawks won that trade. They really did. Like, Connor Murphy has been pretty much on par or better than Nicholas Jalmerson since that deal got made. And look, Jalmerson was banged up a lot. There were a lot of things that, that played a role in that, but Connor Murphy has been really, really solid. Talked about block shots, James. Since the trade, Nicholas Jalmerson blocked 419 shots in 196 games. That's 2.1 per game. Connor Murphy had 453 shot blocks in 236 games. That's 1.9 per game. So that's very much on par. You know, it's it's minimal. It's just, you know, fractions apart from each other. And when you yeah. look at the other stats too Connor Murphy has a big leg up in most categories on Jalmerson look I'm not saying Connor Murphy is a better or was a better player than Nicholas Jalmerson but from the time that trade was made until now the Hawks won that deal they got younger they got cheaper and they got better so I know it's hard to embrace guys when they were traded for someone you love but Connor Murphy's been really really good and I hope the Hawks fans realize that and realize how important Connor Murphy is Mm -hmm. to the Hawks. And remember he's not playing for very much money at all. He's an unrestricted free agent after next season. Connor Murphy right now making 3.85 million. That is a damn bargain. Uh, He's 28 years old. His big contract will be coming next and who knows what the Hawks will pay him. I know he loves it here. He's very happy here. Uh, I just, it's going to cost him at least five, five and a half to keep him. So something to keep an eye on. Maybe that's an extension. Stan Bowman tries to get done sooner instead of later. Yeah, that's very possible, especially with uh, Kirby Doc hitting his first uh, contract after this season. And then Dominic Kubelik also going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So probably would behoove Bowman to try to get a deal done with Murphy sooner rather than later if he wanted to do that. And then if Murphy is not willing to uh, go for the offer the Blackhawks are giving him, maybe that's a guy that you trade away instead of Calvin DeHaan. I honestly don't want to see that happen obviously I think Murphy is more valuable to the team than DeHaan is but at the same time you just kind of have to make sure you're kind of keeping an eye on the salary cap with Seth Jones's contract extension kicking in next year and all those other uh, deals that they're gonna have to make speaking of Seth Jones I do have to ask you this Mm -hmm. he's wearing number four man number four but I was surprised by that to you the Blackhawks are not planning to retire the number of a Nick Jalmerson does that surprise you no I don't. I did not have him pegged for number retirement. 
I have to agree with you, even though I think that he obviously was a very important part of those uh, championship teams. I think that what's going to end up having to happen, I think, is the Blackhawks are going to have to set up some type of like a ring of honor mm-hmm. or something to honor these guys like your Nick Jalmersons and your Patrick Sharps and probably your Corey Crawfords and then save the mm. actually I, I would retire Corey Crawford's number. That's me just me. Yep. And then figure figure out a way to kind of honor those other guys who were key members. I think you do it for everybody who was on all three of the Stanley Cup teams. Uh, the ones that you aren't retiring their numbers, obviously, and then maybe extend it out a little bit to a guy like a Johnny Oduya or something like that. If you really feel compelled to do it, there just has to be a, a way to honor those teams. And I think that having a ring of honor for a guy like a Nick Jalmerson would be a really fitting uh, tribute. I think you retire Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, Crawford, because you can also double up with Seabrook and Chelios. And then do you, you think they do Hosa? No. Because he's not homegrown. So I would do Ring of Honor would be Hosa Jalmerson Sharp for me. That makes sense. I and know that. Brandon Bolig. <laughs> you know what? If you're to put him in there, Dave Boland has to be in there. He, well, he might. He might be. That's a guy I would consider because that the rat, I love Dave Boland. That's my guy. Um, just uh, gee, who wrote the forward to your book again? That was Dave Boland. I never mentioned my book. I should mention my book. Go buy my book. If you live near Orland Park, there's a bunch of signed copies on the shelf. I signed a couple this week, so go grab them. Uh, they're up. They're upstairs. Go up the escalator, take a left, and it's right there with all the sports books. A bunch of signed copies in my book, The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks. So. Um, there was a big table at the Barnes and Noble in Bourbonnet that had your book on it. By the I way, I should go so down and sign you, some. Uh, if you end up coming down here to play golf at Shamrock, just go to Barnes & Noble and start signing books, man. That's what I would do if I were you. That sounds awesome. I would love to do that. I like doing that. It's just like if I go back and they're not gone, I'm going to feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a confirmation that no one's buying my book, which I don't need. I don't need that sort of misery to, in my life. I'll have to go and buy all the copies <laughs> then and give them out to friends and loved ones. Or just keep the receipt. You could just keep the receipt. <laughs> that would be fine too. All right, one more thing I want to mention before we wrap up. Um, but first, got to tell you about our buddy Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. You heard me last podcast say I don't know if he's ready to talk. I think he's ready to talk. So when we get some more information on this uh, Hawks BS, the Brad Aldrich crap that we are not going to let go. We promise you, we're not going to let this thing go. Uh, Kent will jump on. But after over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney. Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents involving cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycle, boats, planes, buses, zeppelins, mopeds, Vespa scooters, roller skates, and skateboards, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges you no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107 or visit SimpsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf, call now. That's Sinson, like Sinbin, S-I-N-S-O-N, lawgroup.com. Cool thing happened at the draft this weekend. We mentioned it because we're cool like that on our post-first round slash post-Seth Jones episode 
that we posted on Friday night, we mentioned, hey, keep an eye on Colton Dock, brother of Kirby Dock for the Blackhawks second-round pick. Sure enough, they drafted him. Colton Dock of the Saskatoon Blades is now property of the Chicago Blackhawks, and I'm sure everyone has seen it by now, but if you haven't, really cool. Colton Dock is on the Zoom call with reporters, and Kirby comes up behind him, grabs him, and just says, Go Hawks, baby. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> so two, the last two seasons with Saskatoon, 2019-20, uh, Colton Dock had 29 points in 62 games in 1920. And last year, 11 goals and nine assists in 20 games. He really skyrocketed up the draft board. Shortened season in the Western Hockey League last year. But Colton Dock really put on a show 6-4-196. He is a big boy like his brother. So not sure of the timeline uh, with Colton, but uh, he will be part of the Blackhawks or at least the Ice Hawks in the, uh, in the near future here. So that's a cool thing. Uh, I like when brothers are signed when they're actually good, <laughs> you know, like when, <laughs> when they, like when it actually makes sense to do, I'm down for that. Cause why not? And he was, he was slotted correctly. They took him where he was sort of projected to go. So when they do that, I'm all for it. Not so sure about taking a, Third round projected player is your first round pick, but I digress. We've been through that before. Yep. Are the Broadhurst still playing? Can we bring them back? Oh my God. Alec and <laughs> uh, Terry. Terry. Yes. Good call. Nice job. Good pull <laughs> by you. Oh man. I would never have gotten the other one. Never. It's Al and I was wrong. It's Alex other... Broadhurst. It's Alex Broadhurst, not Alec. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Alex. Well, shows how uh, good my hearing is. Um, I did. He is now playing. Let's see if he's still playing. Oh God, I went on a bad website. My computer screwed. Never mind. All I mean, you need Jonathan to know Taves is his brother plays for Colorado. Uh, no, that's not his brother. Did you see? Did you see that dumbass joke I made the other day that the Blackhawks should have drafted? Uh, what's the goaltender's name? The first last name was Gaudreau, and I said they should draft him and then trade for Johnny Gaudreau because Stan will think they're brothers. God, I did see I am that joke. Just the, I'm the worst. Nah, I liked it. I got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> I very much well, enjoyed you, your buddy. joke. All right, I think that's all we got for tonight. We're going to have a lot more. This week is not over. You know we're going to have an episode on Wednesday after free agency. Assuming when they the trade Hawks... for Marc-Andre Fleury. Oh, God. Can you imagine? And if the Hawks no. do something, keep an eye. Jake McCabe. That's the name I've been told. I want to sound smart when they do it. So remember I said that. Jake McCabe, Jake McCabe, Jake McCabe. That's one of the guys the Hawks are going after. So keep an eye on that one. All right. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember... If you missed our Seth Jones episode that was published on Friday, it still holds up. Give it a listen. Check out my Substack, jayzawoski.substack.com. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod, Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Check out our Facebook page. And of course, visit our T Public shop. The link is in our bio. We got lots of cool Madhouse podcasts and hockey themed stuff for you in there. And if you got a design idea, hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com, and we will crank it out. Thanks to Mark Allen Fishman of Unshaven Comics for his help with all the designs on our tea public shop. We will talk to you very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sinsin Law Group. I'm 
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.